Hello, and welcome to the Pondering Theologian podcast. I'm the host, Nathaniel. In today's episode, I'd like us to reflect for a time on, I guess, being overly confident about the moment that we live in, whether it uh, be this time or sometime in the past, but specifically being overly confident or even just confident that we know this time, this place um, extremely well, and especially that we know God extremely well. And this is not to call into question that some of us have spent a good deal of our life reflecting on our relationship with God, but just to call into perspective how it is we think about these things. So this episode is um, based on a couple scriptures. Um, Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Oh, sorry, not, not that one. Goodness gracious. Mark chapter 1, 14 through 20. First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, 29 through 31, and Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And we will start in reading Jonah. If I can find that tab. Here we go. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ash. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from their evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from their fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that they had said they would do to them and did not do it. And now from 1 Corinthians. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let those who have spouses be as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. And now from Mark chapter 1, 
Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boats, mending their nets. Immediately, immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, the hired men, and followed him. Uh, when I was a child, uh, what feels like a billion years ago now, I spent many a days down in a ditch that went across the back and side of our home. I dug holes, I built a couple of dams, I made a bridge, I moved the bridge, I caught endless amount of frogs and little fishes, and I felt every year as if I came to know my little corner of the ditch better and better. Then winter would come and I would play on the icy ditch and see it from a different angle and a different light. Spring and summer would arrive and I would find myself often in a familiar yet different scene. My little corner of this ditch was somehow different every year, one that changed uh, so often. One year they logged the land on the other side of the ditch, so the bank changed. There were trees that fell in on the sunny spots and the shady spots from the past, the ones where the frogs would sit, um, they had moved. Another year they resheep, uh, reshaped one end of the land and the opposite bank was no longer a low ditch, but a high ditch that I couldn't quite scale anymore. Another year, the property owner put in new bushes along parts of the bank that I looked for snakes in. And in doing so, I didn't find snakes in those spots anymore. This place that I was very familiar with, where I knew all the types of frogs and how many woodchucks were on my side of the bank versus the other, was always different. Yet I constantly felt as if I knew it very well, that I had it all figured out. In reality, I know now that I had some knowledge of my little ditch, but it was nature being in its ever-changing form. The moments I remember from year to year were all different. Each moment passed away and would lead to another opportunity or moment in its own right. And as I grew, I found myself doing the same mental trick to myself elsewhere. I'd spent endless hours in the woods, uh, both state and national parks, as well as in and around the Great Lakes of Michigan and so many other places in nature. And I've often uh, thought that I had a great handle on this spot, this place. I know these trails very well. I know the bottom of the lake here, the structure for fishing. I knew exactly what tree is the best to look at in late afternoon and fall to see the warm orange sun light up that white birch tree like a beacon. Often, however, the truth is that I have become well acquainted with moments in the movement of nature in this world. The woods that I hunted, sometimes every day of deer season when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I went back to a couple years ago and it's almost completely different. You know, the trees uh, are almost all in the same spot, they didn't get up and move. Um, all my trail markers are still there, but the trees changed. They grew, some fell down, the ground changed, the uh, plants that started growing are bigger, or there are new plants on the trails, the woods changed, the moments that I knew had passed away to a new day. And the point that I hope you're starting to relate with is that we grow accustomed to specific moments, oftentimes believing or convincing ourselves that we know this place, these people, this world, and our faith like the back of our hands. 
like we know our own face, like we know that we breathe in the air around us. Sometimes we get very defensive of these things and we might fight change or we might push away others who bring change to the situation, whatever it may be. In all that, we believe this familiarity to be something good. And I want us to focus on our discipleship journeys for a moment. That is how we intentionally interact with the triune God. How we talk about worship and think about the Creator and where we do these things. In the scripture readings, there's this lovely convergence of themes. We have this connection of the First Testament and the Second Testament of the Bible, talking about repentance, about the nearing of God in some ways. Um, we have this focus on souls, not the physical world. We have this extremely pointed moment in 1 Corinthians that could be spoken on a street corner here in America today and very well address us, as it did the people of Corinth. This gathering of all these themes creates in it an opportunity for some pondering on our parts of how we're living our lives. It is always interesting to me when I mention pondering our lives or self-reflection that there's always those who agree with me, especially for that person over there or that specific group of people. Uh, people. The finger gets pointed and the call for self-reflection gets deferred to someone that we've decided God needs our help judging. Something that we share with the prophet Jonah in a lot of ways. Most of us know the Cliff Notes version of Jonah, at the least, and Jonah is often an easy target for us to show someone who did something wrong over and over again. In our reading in Jonah, we see Jonah receiving God's direction for the second time. This is after... Goodness gracious. Sorry, I forgot to turn off an alarm. Uh, this is after Jonah ran away and went through the ordeal with the whale. Jonah was given this message, this task, to go talk to the city, a city often outlined as a wicked city in scripture. Jonah goes and does his task, gives his message, and in short order, the history of Nineveh shifts drastically. This long-standing city, this place of wickedness and wrongdoing changed, and God was merciful because they listened and it allowed the city to stand. Now we know that Jonah struggled with this and that Jonah became very angry that the God of mercy was actually merciful to Nineveh. When we think of the triune God, we often think of this unchanging God. Certainly we get caught into this idea when we think of Hebrews chapter 13, where it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. However, here in Jonah, we have our first example that our idea of the sameness of God, or what we might develop as the familiar, uh, familiarity of God, can at times be out of line with what is the true constancy of the great I am. God asked a faithful servant to go give a warning with a listed consequence, and Jonah refused. God mercifully did not smite Jonah or uh, what God rather did was allow John uh, to fall into the consequences of his choices, but he did not let Jonah fall into ruin. God interacted with Jonah and reminded him who God is. Jonah went to Nineveh finally, and then this constantly merciful God did the unthinkable and was merciful. Yet the image that Jonah had in his head was that this constantly vile place, the city of wickedness and wrongdoing, was the unchangeable one and deserved to have no exception from the wrath of God. 
I said earlier that this message today is a call for self-reflection, so here's the first question. Who do you see as the Nineveh or the Ninevites around you? Where have you made a constant that is not in line with the love, the mercy, and the grace and salvation of the triune God? The original Nineveh faded away, but the mercy of God stays constant across time, from the first to the second testament. If we look at our gospel reading, it starts out with what sounds sort of familiar. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Sounds sort of familiar to what we read in Jonah, the call to repent and turn from the evil choices. It's also strikingly similar to what we often see in films, TV shows, the news, the almost cliche now, REPENT! THE KINGDOM OF HEAVEN IS AT HAND! Often it shows some old-timey pastor or the characterized radical person, or it's the all-familiar Facebook post with some picture about some topic attached to a political agenda. I wonder what would happen if we all stepped back a little when we heard this phrase to the scripture here and think of some context. It mentions that John the Baptist uh, taught a baptism of repentance, a call to repent, to be honest with yourself, your community often, and especially with God, about what you know you did as wrong, what sins you committed. And this is very similar to that whole Nineveh thing again, naming the things that are wrong in our lives and turning from them towards God, right? In Jonah, the king calls for a turn from wickedness and violence. The other thing here is that the statement, the kingdom of God has come near, is meant to be hopeful. This is meant to be something joyful. The Greek word that Mark recorded, enguline, uh, translates to gospel, the gospel of God, which is the good news. The gospel of God, the good news of God, is the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Check your life. Check your actions. How you are living today. Because the time when the new earth, the new heaven, will arrive is nearer today than it was yesterday. Interestingly, today we may talk about the joyful day of the Lord, but most of us fear death. Most of us fear the judgment day, and most of us do not find this quickly nearing kingdom of God actually good news. If you disagree with me, here's the second question for us to ponder. Um, if you had a choice, if you could go to heaven right now, or you could go, you know, skip go and end directly at the coming of the glory of God, would you do it if you had a choice um, or do you think you have something you need to finish first you have to talk to that one person first you have to kiss your kids one more time you need to make sure you have all those passwords and account numbers written somewhere for your spouse or some other sort of thing you need to pet your cat your dog something or would you leave this instant if it was your choice if you have some sort of excuse and I, I use excuse lightly here, if you have some other reason why you would not go this instant, there is something that you fear or have some deviation in your mind about this being good news. 
this day will pass away, as it has since Christ called this the good news on those years ago. The good news of God is constant. They are coming for each of us, yet the familiar is this world. It is the constant that we are comfortable with. Our gospel, or good news, report continues with Jesus calling these disciples, saying, I will make you fishers of people. I will make you fishers of souls. We are called to be a people of God who are most concerned with using the good news of our faith, of the kingdom of God, to show people the goodness, the love, the mercy, the grace, and the salvation of Jesus Christ in this world. I wonder if we at times get a little focused on some other things than the constants of the tri uh, triune God through the ages. The Creator is constantly loving, merciful, and seeking those people who want to love with goodness, kindness, mercy, and walk humbly with their God. This day, this time, will fade away, but the goodness of God is the thing that stays constant. And I want to remind you of this peculiar letter to the Corinthians. It read, What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that our time is short. From now on, those who have spouses should live as if they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it was not theirs to keep, those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For the world in its present form is passing away. And this certainly has a strange call to action. If you have something connected to this world, whether emotionally connected to something in this world or something physically in this world, you ought not be so moved by it. If you have a spouse, don't be so focused on them. If you are intensely emotionally connected to someone, back off. If you are rejoicing, jumping up and down, elated by something, chill out. If you have possessions, forget this idea of it being yours. If you have business here, forget it. All of these things, all of these situations, all of this that is, is passing away. This perhaps sounds a bit strange, and I would venture a guess that to many this does not really feel like it is a message of good news. The truth is that those of Corinth lived in a world like ours. We are often worldly people, that is, people rather attached to the things and people of this world. and. This is not saying that finding joy and purpose in this world is wrong. What Paul is writing here is about our attachment to the world, our claim on this familiar, our commitment to the feeling of knowing all of this with certainty. This is a reminder that the good news of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God is constant, that goodness, that love, mercy, grace, and salvation of God is constant. This world is temporary and it is passing away. It is destined to change. And here's our final question to ponder today. Our final homework question, if you will. And perhaps this is the most pressing. In your life, are you more proud, invested, and connected to the things of this world than the constants of God? That is your accomplishments, your connections, your things, versus the good news, that is the love, the grace, the mercy, the salvation, the inclusion of God to all of creation, to have a chance to accept all those things. In your life, are you more proud, invested, and connected to the things of this world than the constants of God? Again, if you find that you could leave this world in this instant to go to the next thing God calls us towards, whether to go someplace like Nineveh or to the new earth that is after this life, perhaps you are more attuned to the constants of God than this world. 
And I know I struggle with these. As I was preparing this, I did not particularly like writing this statement because I would want five more minutes to call my wife and kids, and it caused me to have to reflect on myself. And again, these good things in our lives here are not things to neglect or be so unattached to that we would not necessarily want to give them all of our time. This question, this call to reflect, is focusing on bringing us into alignment with what is it that you will focus on most. Little Nathaniel in a ditch thought that the ditch was the constant thing. And adult Nathaniel knows that the ditch by my house now will probably be different next week than it is today. Are the constants in your life things of this earth that are not constant? Or is it the constants of God, the love, grace, peace, mercy, salvation, and so on? Dear people of God, I implore you to consider these things this day, not tomorrow if you're like me, you'll forget by then. This day is quickly fading. So this day, consider these things. Are you focused on the constants of God or the things of this world that will fade? As always, there is so many more things that we could uh, dig into in this episode, but we'll call it an end there. And I implore you to reach out. Let me know what your thoughts are on this topic, on the constants of the world, the constancy of God or any of the like. Down in the show notes is all the contact for the podcast. You can reach out on social media or through email. If you're listening on Spotify, there is a um, like question and answer little box down in the show notes. I implore you to reach out. I would love to have some interaction over these ideas. As always, I hope you are doing well. Know that God loves you so very much. There is nothing that you or I or anyone else can do about that. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, it's Nathaniel, the Pondering Theologian. Um, I would just like to say thank you to you who are listening to this episode. It means a lot to me to know that there are people who listen to this podcast and that there are those that find value in what I may say, or at least in causing some thought-provoking conversation in your head. I would be very grateful to, to you if you could share this episode with somebody that you care about, or if you find any episode that you find yourself thinking about or going back to, whatever it may be, if you could share this podcast with others, it would mean a lot to me. I'm not looking for it for monetary gain in any way, but I it means a lot to me personally in my own um, goals for this podcast to know that people find value in this conversation, whatever that value may be. And I would love to be able to have more conversation with more people. So if you could share the podcast with somebody, I would be very grateful. And again, thank you for listening to the Pondering Theologian podcast. See you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.